Welcome to the Contractor Success Forum. Today, we're discussing what cash flow, profits, and valuation mean to a contractor. Because here on the Contractor Success Forum, we discuss how to run a more profitable, successful construction business. And we're going to talk about what that means today. And who is here to talk about that with us today? We have Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs. And we have Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley Bonding and Insurance Agency. And Rob Williams is me with Iron Gate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. So guys, what does that mean to us when we talk about what cash flow, profit, and valuation means to us as contractors? What comes to mind with you guys? For me, it always is like, hey, how can we maximize all three of them? Yeah, see, and that is what we think. And why don't we just maximize all three of them? Why don't we just go make as much profit as we can and just keep selling? Did, have you ever seen that be a problem, Stephen, for somebody on the bonding? I don't know. It, you know, I guess it'll kill you at some point, and then you can't continue to produce profits if you're dead. Well, part of my point is that there's this tool that I've been using called Cash Flow Story, and go back a long way. Wade actually was using it before me, but talking about the cash flow drivers and how cash is the lifeblood of your business. So if you don't have any cash. You can't continue to make profits because you're not going to have any blood. Your business is going to be gone. So there was a great example of a $40 million plumber. It's actually a real story. And he was going, doing great, and he thought he was just killing it. He was killing it, but not in a positive way because he had over $2 million worth of profit, and it was growing and growing. And the banks came and had a meeting with him, and we're going to – stop his lines of credit and he had 12 million dollars of loans out there for this 40 million dollar business and it was crazy so he was within a year of going bankrupt even though he was growing like crazy and having more and more profits and he was just looking at his income statement he was not looking at his cash flow and he wasn't looking at his balance sheet and he wasn't looking at the valuation most people don't even have a tool where they're looking at the valuation so he's thinking gosh this business is going up so again cash flow and profits are two things that we're talking about wait this is like a common theme that we're addressing over and over again profit but where's the cash flow what how can that kill you well that's what we talk about a lot the fact that once we're growing especially the faster growth the more capital it takes to support that. And it either needs to come from out of your pocket or outside forces. Cause if you double your revenue, you tend to double your receivables, which means that's more money that you got tied up in the receivables and it's not in your pocket. So the story you're talking about is the easy way to grow yourself right out of business. Right. And it was interesting. This example was, well, I say it was fairly extreme, but it's fairly common because he increased his debt by $3 million where he made a $2 million profit, but then he's got to pay taxes out of that. So he could put all of his profits back into the company and it wasn't even 50% hanging on to his cash flow, being able to pay for that growth. We always say, let's just put that money back in. Let's put it back in. And we preach, you need to take some out for yourself all the time, take your profits first. But 
the the problem is you can't sustain it because of something we call the cash flow cycle and that's how long is your money being tied up in there you go back in the very beginning from the time it takes you to make those sales that cost you money getting the sales and then you have your product and you're building the product and we might call it a work in progress for us and then you invoice it and then you've got all that time to get the receivable and now you do have some time on your payable you may have seven days or 30 days to pay your materials or subs based on what it is but you might be receiving that money in say 60 days so a cash flow cycle that might be 120 days so all the way from beginning of sales and then minus what you're able to keep some of your payables but you may have a 90 day 120 day i just ran one with a new client the other day and we had a 120 day cash flow cycle on there and so and we, so once you, you realize that what do you do to help oh that's a great question isn't it i am looking at wade you can't tell where i'm looking this is a podcast but we go to those cash flow drivers and in the cash flow story, which this is a whirlwind of information in a very short time, so we can do a lot of follow-up episodes, but you have your, we say seven cash flow drivers. You can increase your prices, or your profit margin. You can increase your volume of your business, which could be positive or negative on your cash. You have your cost of goods reduction, reduce your costs. You have your overhead reduction. Then you can reduce your days of to your debtors. You got your debtors and then your creditors, your accounts payables and accounts receivables. And then you actually have the money that you're taking in and out of the company. And I've seen some cash flow drivers stated a couple of different ways as I was reading this. Sometimes those are not the exact seven, but we have a drill and it's really interesting. We're just working with a local, it's a contractor. He's more of an, in the labor business and we're putting up a, in a break room in a room where we've got all these cash flow drivers on post-it notes sticking up on the wall. And then we have the ideas of what you can come up. What are the ideas that everybody in the team can understand and get your team to understand these cash flow drivers. They're not going to understand them. You're going to have to communicate that. And then what are ways that you can have ideas coming from your team and you focus on these each quarter, each month, whatever your meeting time period is, and you find ways to reduce or increase these to make them better and better. It's not one big thing. It's a whole bunch of things that you can do along the road. Is that too much to absorb? No, I, I think I have the big picture of what you're talking about. You're saying cash flow affects, of course, your profit and also the value of your business. Yeah, the value of your business comes down to it also. So in that balance between cash flow and profits, you got to have your cash flow because cash is king. That's what we're in business for. We're not in business for a piece of paper. We're in business to get money out of the company to live on and right. do what we want to with it personally or for our families. And it takes cash to pay the people in the company. And that was actually part of our discussion the other day. But one of the other things that this particular owner didn't realize, he thought he was building the value of the company in terms of, you know, your earnings before interest and taxes. And you usually have a multiplier. And when we took those earnings and that EBITDA, it was a couple million dollars. You'd think a business would be worth a lot of money because they're making Let's just say they're making $2 million a year, and maybe the multiplier is four to five. Let's even say it's five. That 
business should be worth $10 million. But when somebody buys that business, they're not buying the debt that goes with it. You got to pay that debt. So in this case, he had $12 million worth of debt in his loans and his capital payments, those type things in his business. So his business on paper was actually worth negative $2 million. If it was worth that $10 million, he had $12 million worth of debt. Even though his revenue was $40 million a year, he had no idea that his company actually had no marketable value to sell that company after he paid the debt. He was in shock. He was sitting on top of the world making $2 million a year on paper. I, I'm in shock for this guy. I hate this story. I know. It, it was such a healthy business from the thing. And you dig down in there and you see the underlying part of that. So that's why we're talking about what are cash flow, profits, and valuation mean for a contractor? You really got to know what all three of those are. You can't just look at your P&L. You've got well, to that, make sure you, know, you have those other ones. Rob, that's a good point. I was looking at a contractor's financial statement, and there was no working capital. So that means that they were in a cash crisis. They were way overbilled. And looking at the job schedules, they had a number of jobs that had huge profit fades on them and were losing money. So there was upcoming trouble. So it was like a triple whammy as far as the health of the financials of that construction company. And so the first thing you do when you look at a situation, the three of us do when a, a customer comes to us and needs some help with that is saying, First thing we got to do is fix this cash flow problem and get rid of this debt and the rest of the things turn around. Then we've got to do some really, maybe spend a little money to get some accurate accounting data to figure out exactly where we are and what kind of loss we're going to have. Then you take that information to that same bank that was cutting off their line of credit and you might have some folks that want to work with you again. You know, one of the bank's comments was very interesting. The bank said they weren't really worried as much about the situation with the debt and stuff because it was still a very fixable situation. They were much more concerned that the business owner did not know that he had this situation. That well, that's, was yeah, the that, big that's, problem. That's my point. You get a financial statement that bad. And it just tells you that the contractor doesn't know. Yeah. They don't know. And that's scary. Yeah. See, in this one, I don't know that I'd describe it as that bad. It was that unusual. If It didn't have to be bad if you knew what was happening. You have a plan for the future cash flow mm -hmm. for that. But when it's just going more and more and they see that it was upside down, because their fixes to it were not that difficult. Just slow your growth. Let it catch up. Do some other things. Don't buy so many. Just quit trying to grow so fast. It was not a hard fix. The bank's problem was that he just wasn't aware. And he was irate that the bank was mad with him. He's going to go to another bank. So, Wade, I just feel like this is actually, I'm sitting here talking about it, but I feel like you're the expert at this stuff, man. You're Mr. Well, I think in the story you're talking about as well as I see it all the time, too, and you don't see it as much as after the Great Recession from 10 years ago. But, you know, when a company has too much line of credit, it's easy to fall into that trap of, hey, we're financing our growth off the line of credit. 
even, I mean, sometimes we take a line of credit and go buy a truck or something. That's not what a line of credit is supposed to be for. But when you're growing like crazy and you're looking for that capital, well, all he saw was, hey, I'm making this work because I'm able to borrow. You cut off that ability to borrow and the house of cards comes tumbling down pretty quick. That's a great point, Wade. I mean, a great point. And when that house of cards starts tumbling down, that's where we see in the bonding business, customers going down and without the desire or knowledge to react quickly, it's just a cycle that just spins itself into a bond claims. And um, there we've got a friend and client that has gone out of business. We've lost a good customer and not to mention everything related to that construction company, the employees and everyone else that depends on them. It's a sad, tragic story. So I guess that's what our contractor success forum is all about. Three of us are passionate about that, listeners. We care about it. Cash flow, profit, and the valuation of your business. Those are the three elements that you have to think about all the time. If you think about the valuation of your business, whether you sell it or not, then you're running your company the right way. If you're watching those cash flow engine drivers and you're making sure that your cash is flowing properly to meet your needs and you're not having to go into a lot of debt to finance those needs, uh, then your profits go up. So I don't know, Rob, is it like pyramid or they, or is it like three circles all tied together? How do you, how would you describe these important three elements? That's a great question because I know a lot of times we do those three circles where we do that yeah. on a spot. In here, I think of it as a circle more of the watching the cash flow and have those profits. And then, I mean, it does lead up to that. I, you're kind of catching me off guard here because I haven't thought about it yet. But this well, is a, maybe three corners of a pyramid, you know, I don't know. But they definitely build on each other and they affect each other. They all affect each other. I mean, I guess when we're thinking about like the cash flow story that Rob was talking about or anybody that gets in that situation, I think you're talking about, and I've brought this up before, but there's a concept in finance called the fundable growth rate model. And that's basically saying if you're growing so much, how fast are you turning profit to be able to grow that? And if it's not coming from your operations, it's got to come from either your own pocket or somebody else's pocket injecting capital or borrowing the money. And that's where people should probably stop and take a look at, hey, we're growing. Where did the money come from to fund that growth? And sometimes you have to wait until that fundable growth rate comes up to like what Rob was saying, got to slow down. Otherwise, you can't really do that. So. You can't grow as fast as you would like to. Yeah. So what do we do? How do people get a value out of this today? Because this is a big, broad topic. So what do you do with it? If you're listening to this today, do you know what your cash flow was? Hardly anybody can ask that. They can answer what their profit was, but what was your cash flow? How much loan did you have to get? And do you even know what that means? And are you looking at a cash flow statement? Rarely, when I talk to a new person, do they have a cash flow statement in their reports that they get? It's probably in their software, but do they get that? Are you looking at it? How much more money did you have in the bank? How much did your bank loans change 
How much did you take out of the company? That's cash flow. You know, what's the different adding all those up together? That's your cash flow. Or was it negative? Did you have to put money in there and you're growing? Just know that. Be aware. If you're not aware of that, ask your CPA, your bookkeeper, your CFO, reach out to somebody. I know Wade and I are here and Stephen can help probably too. And we're here. It's really not that hard to do that. Reach out to somebody that has that information. We do it frequently. It's something that I really like to do. I think that's a great way to start a conversation with somebody. Find somebody who's your trusted advisor. Make sure you understand your cash and having that valuation. I'm making the assumption whether you're profitable or not. And maybe I shouldn't make that assumption, but that's an assumption I'm making. So know what your cash flow is. Was it positive? Was it negative? And how is your valuation being affected through all these things? What is that? That's something I think you should look at quarterly or at least annually and really be aware of that. If you're not, tell your advisors, whoever you're dealing with, that you'd like to look at it. Give Wade a call. Give me a call. Give Stephen a call and we can talk about it. Refer you to Robin Wade. Summarize some of the stuff you're saying. I mean, I think about it from the valuation standpoint. You've got your profitability and you got cash flow. And they're literally when you're doing a valuation of a company, there are seven or eight traditional methods of valuing a company. And sometimes we use hybrid methods, but two of them are based on a multiple of cash flow or profitability. We're talking about your profitability or your cash flow can affect the ultimate valuation of your company. But as far as the valuation or the cash flow, they are all intertwined. And so you have to take a look at it and maybe we shouldn't always be looking at, Hey, just this one metric, the profitability or just the cash flow, but maybe a return on equity return on assets will tell you a little bit better of, are we winning the game as opposed to, are we borrowing from other people to build our nest egg and borrowing to leverage your growth? If you do it smartly is not a bad thing but there is a point where it's too much. That's just my take on it. I'm glad you said that. There's a balance in between there at your growth and the thing. There's the Guy Kawasaki method that says, never use your own money. Always use somebody else's money. Then there's the Dave Ramsey over there, you know, no debt snowball, don't have anything. So where are you going to be in between those two somewhere on one end or the other from no debt, no debt to never use your own money and do everything off of debt. So there's a balancing in there and Wade's, what he just said is a good way to think about that because there are multiple factors in there that you have to think about in the valuation. And some of the companies that I've talked to, they have a good point. Their value of the exit plan is not really a multiplier of EBITDA. They own things in their company that are worth more than the multiple of their profit. So they've been purchased for different reasons. I had a business partner. He was purchased because of the value of his software when Illinois Toolworks bought it from him. He had a small audience, so it was worth 20 times more to Illinois Toolworks because they had such a huge customer base. So his profitability... And his company didn't matter, which is a good thing because he, his books were not good. I have another company that I've talked to. The valuation is more a revenue thing because they make a drink 
product and it's just based on their sales that company is going to buy it or is going to buy their brand they're not going to buy their company so there are things and there's some examples of your systems and processes that may be really valuable to a big company so when you hear these really big multiples that's probably something else going on there don't think you're going to get that 10 times or 20 times because they're not buying that revenue and what is that company worth to you on the valuation because I'd say, wait, a whole lot of people choose to keep their company once they see the valuation and they can do it if they've got that. They're like, well, why would I sell this? Because this is a lot better return than I would get on the money with my thing. And I feel really stable. And I know this. I may not want to work in the business anymore. I may turn this over, but I'm going to keep my ownership all or part of those ownership rights. And I'm going to keep this thing. So that valuation can be a self-valuation as well. So anyway, there's so much that goes into it. And thanks for pointing out way there are multiple ways to value the company, but it is really good to keep a benchmark on that and keep your finger on that pulse. Since you just brought up something else and I know we don't have time to go into it today, but you know, you talk about getting that 10 times multiple, you shouldn't expect that. Well, if you understand what drives the value and what drives the multiplier, yeah, just classic example of Michael Gerber and the e-myth, if you build the systems where they can reproduce that, you know, what you've been doing, your profitability, your cash flow, that's then right. you can bump those multipliers up. So I know that's a topic for another day. And just going back to the debt thing, I refer to it as smart. A lot of times people are in survival mode when they first start off, but too often, too many contractors stay in that survival mode their entire life. But once you can get past that, or if you make smart moves and smart use of things like lines of credit and get past that, you can, I mean, we'd all love to be where Dave Ramsey is like everybody out of debt. If you're using the debt to get to another level, that's a different topic. So a lot of times people have to get to that point where they can move forward. So hope that makes sense. It does. Smart debt and smart growth. I think they're, they're in line with each other. I really like this show i don't know if it's broad but i i really like this is an overall view of what we're trying to provide here at the contractor success forum and to me this is sort of what the basis is about uh, of the business side of these things so appreciate this episode thanks steven is a bonding thing is this meaningful to you guys <laughs> absolutely poor All cash right. flow no profits and then no net worth in your company, that's not good. All right. Well, thanks a lot. This has been a great episode of the Contractor Success Forum with Wade Carpenter, Carpenter and Company CPAs, Stephen Brown, McDaniel Whitley, Bonding Insurance Agency, and Rob Williams with Irongate Entrepreneurial Support Systems. Let us know if you have any questions and give us feedback. We'd love to hear from you guys.